Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. I want to give you a special welcome to Season 1, Episode 15. This is our last episode of Season 1. We're calling this one, We're All in Big Trouble, Romans 3, 9 through 20. In our last episode of season one, we're going to look at how hopeless, lost, dark, and alone the human condition really is apart from God's intervention in Christ. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Treichler. Good to good to have you back here again. I, I want to thank you so much for being part of Romans Untangled this season. Uh, we're going to kick off a new season in the fall. I want to kind of let you know what the programming notes are going on here. Next Monday, uh, we'll release the bonus episode, which will be looking back at Genesis 1 through 11. It's one of the things, if in order for us to get a good grasp of Scripture, we need to have a good grasp of how the Bible begins. And so, uh, we're going to kind of walk through. Uh, that episode will be about an hour, and I'm starting to plan it. It's it's pretty much planned. I haven't yet had a chance to record it yet. Then we'll take the summer off. Uh, it's, a, it's summertime here in Minnesota, and that's kind of the way we roll around here. But then the last Monday in August, I will release what I'm calling Season 2, Episode 0, which is just a recap of Season 1, kind of to get your mind back in it. What were we doing in Season 1? And we'll go through some of those things. And starting September 6th, the first Monday, we're going to try to release these all uh, Monday mornings, uh, 7 a.m. Uh, Central Time here. We'll start Season 2. And se- Season 2 is going to begin in uh, Romans chapter 3. Uh, we'll back up just a little bit and refresh our memories on on what happens. And we kind of generally back up to verse 19. But really, we're we're picking it up in verse 21. And we're going to go through 31. Um, and we're going to send spend several episodes unpacking these eleven verses from verses twenty one to thirty one. Probably, uh, it's hard to like rank what's the most important. Martin Luther, if you're a fan of Martin Luther here, and I've got his bobblehead right here uh, on my desk, he's nodding at me right now. Uh, he said this was the most important and the very center meaning the very most uh, important passage in all of the Bible. Like it's the most important paragraph of that, of the scriptures. Now, I don't, I don't know if we can prove that or not, but it is very important and it's a, it's a beautiful passage. I can't wait to start next season with you. And then it, it becomes this beautiful, beautiful um, book where Paul just goes on and on about how beautiful our savior is. However, this week, today, what we're going to do is we're going to spend one more week on the bad news, one more week on how deep the problem is, one more week on how stark the contrast is between our sinfulness and our deep need for a radical and thorough Savior. So that's where we're headed today. Now, in, in season one here, I've told you every time we're opening up just with a simple Bible study tool, just a way for us to kind of, uh, you know, if, especially if you're brand new to the Bible. And and I'm going to give you probably the most silly, <laughs> the silly Bible study tool here to end season one. Uh, but I think it's just a great practice uh, for us, and especially in the summertime. And, and here's the simple Bible study tool. It's three words. Read your Bible. Now, I know, <laughs> that sounds like, well, duh. 
read it, read it devotionally. And what I mean by that is read it on a regular basis. Uh, when I became a follower of Christ, the best advice I got was from the guy who was kind of helping me along in my newfound faith. And I, and he just said, I, what I just do is every day I read one chapter of the Bible and then I spend some time in prayer every day. Now, uh, I know th- that's that's great, right? And it takes about 15 minutes to do that. If you're really reading it reflectively and spending some time just kind of laying before God, you know, for me, I prefer to do this in the morning and just laying before God what's going on in that day, what's going on in my heart, confession of my own personal sin, kind of thanking him for all the things he's done. Uh, there's different ways to go about this. In fact, one of the ways that we've devised as a church is to do this, we're doing a devotional together, but it only is, it's designed to be seven minutes. So it takes about seven minutes a day. We don't read an entire chapter of, of anywhere in the, in the Bible. We read kind of three portions. We read an entire Psalm. So that is, I suppose, a chapter, but it's generally they're shorter. We read a portion of a gospel. So one of the four gospels every uh, time. And then we also read one other portion of scripture. So, but again, it's just going to be a small, like a paragraph almost. The whole thing you can read for the average reader who can read at a reasonable speed, you can read it in about seven minutes and then you just spend some time in prayer. I, you know, it, you're looking at 10 to 12 minutes a day and to carve that out of your day is, it's hard. I know. So we, we have this as a, as a devotional plan. We do it three times a week. Uh, you can jump in at any time or you literally could just use it as a checklist and not follow the dates, you know, just kind of follow where you're at. You could start right now if you want, even in the summer. And it's really designed that you may miss a few days, but it's it's really designed that it's easy to catch up. It doesn't take long. I, I think there was one stretch of time where I was so busy with other things and doing a whole bunch of other reading of scripture that I didn't have any time to do this. I got myself two weeks behind, and I think I got done with all of the readings and everything in about 35 minutes. And I'm an average reader. I, I really, I don't, I read very slowly. I there, there's a name for how I read, and I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's basically I read at the same speed that I speak, and I can hear it. <laughs> so that's a very slow way of doing it. If you want to know more about that, just go to our website, hopecc.com, and on the right-hand side, uh, there is a, there's a menu drop-down, and you'll see where it says uh, HopeCC Resources or HCC Resources. Click on that. That'll take you to another page. Hope CC Resources is the page, but and then you just go down, scroll down to the bottom where it says Hope Devotions or Hope Devotional Plan. You can go there, and then it's going to give you this really nice uh, section where it's going to give you how do you have a devotion? What what what's some ways that I can pattern my prayer better, or how do I do this? And then it can give you the plan. It's a it's just a it's a three page plan. You can print it off, or you can just use it electronically, or however you want to do it. Now that's just one way to do it. Uh, the, the simplest way, and I did it forever and ever, was to read a chapter a day. Now, my encouragement for you and why it's a Bible study tool is not to bounce around. Uh, read through books of the Bible. So if you want to start, say you want to read the Gospel of John. Well, that, that'll take, if you do one chapter a day, it's 21 chapters, and uh, you will, you will uh, that'll take you all the way uh, to uh, 21, you know, takes you about a month to do that, which is totally, totally fine. So... Um, or, or like the book of Acts, that'll, that's 28 chapters. That'll take you, you know, obviously 28 days. You just read a chapter a day. Think about what is the, just what verses kind of hit you. 
and what you need to pray about, about what you just read, um, and then just, just spend some time in prayer. And the simplest thing on prayer is this little silly acronym that I learned. Um, it's It spells the, the, the it's A-C-T-S, or ACTS. Adoration, just spend time praising the Lord for how awesome he is. Confession. Uh, what are what are things in your heart and mind that you're just God? I'm just I'm, these are areas of sin in my life, and they, God makes them aware of you, and you confess that to Lord and take the forgiveness that is there in Christ and own it. Thanksgiving, God, what do I want to thank you for that you've done? And then supplication, which just means I'm asking you for things. God, these are the things in my heart. I'm laying down before you some of my burdens. I'm 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 asking you to do these things. And we're just going to keep asking God. We're just going to keep asking. The scriptures talk about that a lot. Keep asking God. And and the cool thing about reading the word of God is you're learning, but you're doing more than just learning. You're actually interacting with the living God as you're reading. He is speaking through his word to you. So it's not just this academic exercise like, hey, I want to know physics, so can I have a textbook and, yeah, let's read a chapter a day to understand the basics of physics. Now, of course, there's some of that. There's doctrines. There's things we're learning. But but really what we're getting at here is we want to read the Word of God so that we get to know the God of the Word, right? We really want to get to know Him better and land in there. And I know that you can do that by listening to a podcast like this and and you can hear the word and you're going to hear it. And that's great. Those are not bad things. I'm not, obviously, (laughs) I'm a big fan. I I really have enjoyed putting these together. And and the feedback and the encouragement I've gotten from, from folks has been just tremendous. But nothing really replaces just spending some time alone with the Lord and just getting that opportunity to let him speak to your heart. It's just phenomenal. So I Today's Bible study lesson is simply this, read your Bible. Just just read a Bible regularly, uh, as often as possible, um, just an encouragement. Now, let's get into our passage for today. And in order to do that, I kind of need to bring you back for all of the things we've done in the last, oh, about six episodes. So just to bring you back to, to Romans chapter 2, where um, Paul is, is now pointing at religious people. Romans chapter 1 is talking about those outside of Israel and saying, look at all the, the ways that they've become sinful, right? Romans chapter 2 then leans in and says, now, wait a minute, those who, if you point a finger at somebody else, you, you really do the same things. The way he ends Romans chapter 2, 5 through 11, as he says in verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. And again, a person would say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, he does. He's he's chosen the people of Israel. Paul is now going to try to say, yeah, there's a value of being uh, a Jew, but not in the way you might think. He goes on then in the next episode, we talked about Romans 2, 12 to 16, where it's talking about that that every one of us are sinners. Uh, the, the, the Jew just happens to have the law, capital L, law, which means they have the actual ordinances, they have the written commands of God, and they have broken them. But Gentiles do not have that law, but they have they have the law on themselves. They have the, the, the uh, we talked about this from Romans 132, they have the 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 law in their hearts they have the it's it's a conscience it's a way that God has impressed upon them they know these things and they also break the law so then therefore it says and we keep going and then he basically is saying that um, it's not about whether or not you have the law or not it's about whether you obey it or not it's not whether you're religious or not in an episode I believe we called uh, your religion is killing you right and so uh, we 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 went into this and saying it. 
don't look at it that it's just because you do certain things because actually everyone has broken this code, which brought us to last week where then you'd ask the question, well, was there any advantage in being a Jew? And you, the, the, you, what you'd want to say is, no, there's not. But Paul says much in every way, uh, which he really means by saying is there's a huge advantage. And the advantage is this. He says, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. So in other words, they're not just on their hearts. They're actual, objectively heard, written down. They're, they're indisputably, these are the words of God, right? We've heard these. We God gave them to us. We know this, right? That's an advantage over the non-Jew. So I'm assuming that most of us listening to this podcast are, are don't necessarily uh, coming from a, uh, a non-Jewish perspective, a Gentile perspective. Um, and it's been real fun at, at my church. We've had people who have been Jewish of origin and have come to faith in Jesus, which is a beautiful thing um, because it really is a you know a completed Jew. In other words, they they really do understand. They hold all of their Judaism, but they also now have said the law doesn't justify me. Christ does, and so it's a beautiful thing. So Paul then goes in on this whole idea here, and he he argues that. All of all of us are under condemnation, right? Uh, because uh, the, the unrighteousness of the Jewish people has shown that they can't keep the law. They're a microcosm for all of us, which all of that, and this is all tied together. That's kind of why I needed to do it. Uh, that brings us to today's passage. Today's passage is uh, Romans chapter 3, 19, and we're going to go all the way through verse 20. And it says this, <clears throat> what then are we better than they? Now, the we there is, are the Jews, Paul's a Jewish person, are the Jews better than Gentiles? And by this time, you're like, I don't know, man. I don't want to answer you because I, I think the answer is no, but I don't know. But he's going to actually affirm that. He says, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the place and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, if you're reading certain versions of the Bible, you'll notice it's all in quotes. Uh, and in the, the version I'm looking at here, the New American Standard actually has them all capitalized, which makes it very clear these are Old Testament quotes. That's what he's trying to do. He's going to summarize this. In verses eighteen or nineteen and twenty, and let me just read it through, and then we'll kind of go back and kind of unpack this a little bit. He says, "Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by works of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin." Okay, so let's just go back up here and, and go back to the top. If you have a Bible with you, it's kind of helpful to do that. Not You can hopefully just listen along. If you're driving, don't open a Bible right now. <laughs> it's probably the only time your pastor's ever said, don't open a Bible, but don't, not right now. Just um, look at it later. But go back to verse nine, and Paul's then asking, hey, listen, at the end of the day, is it any better to be a Jew? In other words, are we, are we somehow given a pass for our sin 
uh, because of, of our, our uh, being uh, Jews. And again, this is probably one of those moments when you're thinking, I, I think by now in the book of Romans, I think I want to say no, but you've been surprising me. I don't know. I don't want to answer, <laughs> right? And Paul makes it real clear, not at all. So there is an advantage to being a Jew in the fact that you got a front row seat to God's miracles. You got front row seat to see him in remarkable ways. You got a front row seat to be uh, this people that got the 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 um the covenant of 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 all these laws, but you broke them. So in one sense, you're totally better off. In another sense, you're not any better off. In fact, some would even argue you explicitly were told these things and you broke them. So it might be worse off in, a, in, in one sense, okay? Paul says it's not the case. We've charged that both Jews and Greeks, and that's another way of saying Jews and Gentiles are, are people who are uh, under the, 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 the physical descendants of Abraham and everybody else, they're all under sin. It's one camp, not two, all right? As it is written, and then he's going to go off and give six Old Testament quotes. Psalm 14 Uh, It's also found in Psalm 53, Psalm 5, Psalm 140, Psalm 10, Isaiah 59, and Psalm 36. So what's he doing here? Well, he's quoting from the very Old Testament that the Jews would say, this justifies us. This, we got the words of God, therefore we're okay with God. And Paul says, if you think that's true, then let's actually read what's in there. And this is telling you, let me just read the first one. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. That's Psalm 14, one to three. And it's actually repeated again in another Psalm, Psalm 53, one to three. So it's those two Psalms. It's the same wordage in the same Psalm. Uh, and it's the same words. And so Paul's just saying, hey, let's just start there. That's us. He's talking about us there. Because he uses the word all, none, none, none who do these good things, all have turned aside, uh, not even one, right? If you, He says, if you don't believe me, what I'm saying, go back and read your Old Testament. It's telling you that you are these people. Goes on in the next one saying their, their throat is an open grave, which is just kind of a gross, you know, decaying body, right? And their tongues, they keep deceiving. That's Psalm 5, verse 9. The poison of asps is under their lips. In other words, when they speak, it brings back that imagery from uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, where that guy's whispering in the ear. What's his name? Wormwood or something like that. And he's whispering in the king's ear and he's just he's just completely messing with his mind. And this is that kind of thing. You're, 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 when you speak, just, just this awful breath comes out, this poison of asps. It's just this, ugh, right? And it says their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. They don't speak blessing to people. They're not there for the betterment of other people. Their their hearts are full of bitterness, just this anger and bitterness, and they're just they're just that's who they are. And that says their feet. That was Psalm ten. I'm sorry, the poison of asps was Psalm one forty verse three. The 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 next one, the the cursing and bitterness, the Psalm ten verse seven. Then he goes on to say their feet are swift to shed blood. Feet are swift, like I'm running and I'm just going to cause destruction and and I'm I'm going to harm others. 
and destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. This is from Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 is written to the people of Israel because of what they uh, have done, and they are being exiled out of the promised land. It's Isaiah 59, verse 7. And then he just summarizes it with Psalm 36, 1. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that is the condition. He's saying, listen, you guys had it as good as you can get it. This is as good as you can get it. And you are complete sinners. You're complete sinners. So dude, you're in trouble. Uh, I've titled this episode, We're All in Big Trouble. Now he's going to summarize it. He's going to summarize it to say this. Now we know then... We, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. So, fascinating, right? So, there's, there's commentators basically think this is a, a summary uh, and it, it kind of matters what you think he means by the word law here mean, right? So, for sure, there's no doubt in, in, the mind, in your mind that it's a summary of what we just read. Whatever the law says, well, we just read from the law, right? The Old Testament law. And it speaks to those who are under the law. Well, who was under the law? The Old Testament law. Only Jewish people, right? And I I think that's partly what he's saying here. The the problem with that then is what then would, how would the next phrase be interpreted? So that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Now, the way if you think that the word law there only means the Old Testament law, it you could mean this. It's very possible that he's saying, listen, I'm making my argument here, and I'm in Romans 3, and now I've said that the Jews also are under this, so that when I say every mouth may be closed, <clears throat> it's saying that I've already talked about the Gentile folks and that they're under condemnation. Um and the whole world then is accountable to God. We've already done Gentiles before, and we've done Jews now, okay? That's one way to interpret it. I, and I don't think that's, I mean, that's the way I think a lot of folks have read it, and a lot of commentators go there. And I I just think it's a little bigger than that, <clears throat> because this argument that's saying, hey, I've already said that that uh, Gentiles are, are under condemnation for their sin, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, chapter one kind of does that, Talks about those who do such things know that it ends in death. And I, I get kind of, but it's not as clear as it is here. Secondly, why I would say that that this idea of law refers to both the Old Testament law and what we'd call from Romans 132, the the uh Romans I am spacing on Romans 132, the language here. Let me look it up real quick. Oh yeah, there it is. It says um that the um that those who do such things, right? Um, those who do such things, not only uh, they understand the ordinance, and although they understand, they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hardly approval to those who practice them. So the idea is this, they know this ordinance of God, or they know this law of God, you could say, right? We'd spend a whole episode just on that verse. And I think that's what he's referring to here as well, because then it makes more sense. Now that we know whatever the law says, well, do I mean Old Testament law? Yeah. Do I mean the law that's written on your hearts? Yeah. Paul spent a lot of time in this letter, uh, Romans 132, chapter 2, talking about a law in their hearts, so that, that the Gentiles do have law, but it's not, it's different. 
I think here he's including both, then it makes more sense that it speaks to those who are under the law. Who's under the law? Everybody. But it's a different kind of law. The Jews are under the Old Testament law. The Gentiles are under the ordinance of God law, the one that's written on their hearts, the one they know about uh, just from God impressing it upon them so that, now it makes sense, right? Every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. And then he goes on to say this, because by the works of the law, in other words, if you think that you can just do enough stuff to fulfill those different categories. For the Old Testament, uh, the law, it would be doing good works. It would be Sabbath keeping. It would be um, all of the the ritual rites of a Jewish person. Uh, It would be circumcision. It would be all the marks, right, of being a good Jew. And it would be doing good things in order to say, no, I'm a good Jew, right? Bar a Gentile be like, no, I, I've I've been basically a good person. I've done a few wrong things here and there, sure, 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 but I've done good things. And, and, and Paul's trying to make a case here saying, that's not how it works. It's not a scale of good versus bad. That's not how it's going to work. The, 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 the way judgment will happen is perfection. Have you been perfect, right? Jesus is even going to come out with that. And when he talks in the Sermon on the Mount and he's going to tell people, you want to understand the law? Be perfect like your heavenly father's perfect. That's the intention here. That's the goal. That's the standard. Therefore, verse 20, chapter 3, because by the works of the law, no flesh, no one, Jew or Gentile, no one will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In other words, what the law does, both the Old Testament law for the Israelite and the and the one that's written on our hearts, it points to us and says to us, sinner, sinner, right? So everybody's under this. Everyone is there. Now, I want to cheat a little bit here, and I want to read the next four verses for you, because this is dark. Okay, this is very dark, but I want to show you how, the, and I want to give you a little bit of light and where we're going, a little teaser here. <laughs> spoiler alert. I hope it's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus Christ is awesome, and I hope you're reading this through. Paul did not intend for his letter to be, uh, uh, you know, read at the pace we're doing. He expected you to read it, not sitting. You know, uh, let me go ahead and read the next four verses in Romans chapter three. And and what the first word here is the word but, but now. It to me, I've I've I, and I'll make a big deal about this next season. But that is the biggest contrast I think in all of Scripture. I like to say there's some really sweet buts in the Bible. This is the sweetest. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that, how beautiful that is? But I want you to notice this. He says, there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? All have sinned. So I believe what he's saying here in, in, in chapter three, verses 19 and 20, is this is this law covers both the Old Testament law and it covers the Gentile who's under their own ordinance of God, the, the thing that's written on their hearts and their they're, they're liable to it. And what that does is points to you and says, sinner, 
all of us on our own are in, are in big trouble. Everyone. No one's pedigree, socioeconomic status, religion, goodness, good works, or, or badness, bad things we've done. Nothing we do can make up for our sin. Nothing. We are, we, we are completely, completely lost. There is absolutely no hope for us on our own. No one is fit for salvation. No one is fit to be right with God. No one. Now, that's dark. We have spent this pretty much the last, I'd say the last two-thirds of our episodes here just talking about the bad news and how deep the problem is. And we are the problem. We. not Don't point to anybody else. We. Now, why does Paul paint such a dark picture? I mean, man, that's dark. The reason he does it is to make the beauty of Jesus Christ and the offer of salvation in Christ and the gift of God, the rescue of God, so bright and beautiful. The most graceful thing I can tell you is how sinful you really are so that you understand how wonderful of a Savior you have. You will not ever appreciate a lifeboat until you're in the middle of the ocean in fear of drowning, and there it comes. Keller likes, Tim Keller likes to say it this way. He says, I'm so bad, Christ had to die for me, but I'm so loved by him, he was glad to die for me. Next season, next season, we are going to look at how sweet this Savior is. And as dark as this is, I want to encourage you, Jesus is sweeter still and so necessary. Join us next week for the bonus episode uh, being released next Monday on Genesis 1 to 11. I really want to encourage you to have a great summer and we'll be back September 5th for season two of Romans Untangled.